We are Wrestling Elitists. I am your co-host, Alex Gibson, joined as always by Sean, the Nasty Boy Nash, and Chris Scott Moore. What's going on, boys? Hello. Hello. Hey, man. Uh, what an insane week of football. Uh, we also had some, some pretty big uh, wrestling matches as well, but uh, how'd you guys enjoy that, uh, that Bills game? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to become a football podcast if we need to, but Bills Mafia, I'm, I'm sorry for you guys. That, that hurts. You had it so close it feels like uh if if you watch bill's uh tailgates they're kind of we're like we're like what wrestling fans and bill's fans we're all the same we're like cousins or something like that so it extra hurt there Backyard um mm-hmm. as always please remember to subscribe to our show via apple podcast or spotify give us a five-star review if you can if you have a question that you want us to d- discuss on the show feel free to add one to the comment section and we'll discuss whatever it is that you want to talk about on the show next week Visit our website at WrestlingElitist.com to get our match ratings and latest articles. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell the people about the article that you just put up uh, a couple days ago? Yeah, so it's the 22nd anniversary of Cactus Jack versus Triple H at Madison Square Garden. It's kind of about the rise of Triple H as this unstoppable force uh, becoming uh, who he is now. So great article. Please give it a read and, and give it a share. What the fuck? The Gamer. that was beautiful uh i also actually put up a uh a new article as well it'll be one of our main news segments news and cringe which uh sean typically we have a a normal format i think we're going to switch it up a little bit this week why don't you tell the people what it's going to be uh this time this week we're going to hit you with the news and the cringe together right at the start that's too hot to handle we got to get it to you right now then we'll hit you with the match moments and what we're looking forward to because we're going to AEW Cleveland this week. Indeed we are. It's going to be a great time. Um, I think we've been looking forward to this for so long and uh, it's funny that it's beach bash or what is it? Beach break. break. (laughs) That blew my mind. (laughs) And uh, who doesn't think of beaches when they think of uh, Cleveland? So shitload of um, snow. (laughs) Definitely looking forward to it. But uh, as you mentioned, Sean, there's a lot of uh, newsworthy and cringeworthy items this week. And I think that's where we wanted to get started. Uh, As I mentioned just at the at the beginning of this, I had an article most recently uh, this week that came out and it was regarding the change from Walter becoming Gunther and uh, potentially Gunther Stark prior to a little bit of backlash uh, in NXT as he's moved from NXT UK. Um, for me, I think that there was, there's a couple pieces to it that were stupid or, or cringeworthy. Obviously the name, I think that WWE is a company that, um, it's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, if you look at Oakham's razor, the whole idea of like the simplest explanation is usually the right explanation. And so anytime that you would think of something like this, you would think that the simple explanation is, Oh, somebody forgot to Google that name before they tried to patent it or trademark it. Um, this situation, it feels like they probably knew there's a good chance that somebody knew. I don't think Walter did. Um, but it's still regardless is something that even if nobody knew the name, like how do you not at least kind of look the name up to make sure that you're not picking the name of potentially a, you know, a Nazi, uh, U-boat commander or something like that. Um, and then on the other end of it, Walter's been in the WWE for what, three years now, I think, right. At least so. He's he's the longest reigning NXT UK champion under the name Walter. Like, why are you retconning that now? Like, you should have changed his name before or or not changed it now. Um, it's just kind of another 
just like microcosm of the uh, micromanagement that WWE does, having to own everybody's brand, those types of things just really annoy me. What were your guys' thoughts, Chris? Did, did you have any kind of thing to add to that? Yeah. So the first thing, I, just about the name change itself. I mean, um, his gimmick is he wears a fucking pea coat and he frowns. Like, what type of intellectual property did you need to protect? And I, it's not like it's like a gimmick where it's like doink or you know, something great like Mantar or Repo Man, where you need to have that intellectual property in perpetuity. <laughs> it's just a guy that frowns and wrestles well. So it doesn't make any sense just to change anything. And I don't know WWE contracts at the back of my hand, but I do believe that when they're signed under them, their IP rights do go to WWE for that time frame and that contract. So as long as he's under contract with them, they can market it just like they always had. So I just don't see the need for them to change it. And then, yeah, I also assume the worst and assume that um someone was trying to be cute and using that name to be funny or like trolling or owning the libs or some shit like that and uh because i i I don't buy that you didn't google it um we googled our fucking name for our show and podcast and our website like come on like i just don't believe that uh so that's what i think of just about the name itself and then um change you know the the whole gunther stark thing um for a company that wants to sell, possibly, like they float that idea out there. It doesn't mean that they generally are selling or that they are selling this year or anything like that, but they've put it out there that they would be selling. Disney's not going to fucking touch you now. And stock and, and shareholders are going to be really disappointed in you as well. And it just doesn't make any sense that they would make such horrible moves like this and they're not thinking it through because it is going to bite them in the end to have any association um, and you touched on this a little bit in your article too. I also put a little bit of heat on Walter. Um, you know, you have the ability to say no and informing, uh, the staff there about the history of Nazi imagery, uh, how painful it is to people in Austria and Germany. I had an Austrian exchange student, actually, we had two of them, even then, like they didn't play Wolfenstein because they found it offensive knowing like the history of it. it like I knew that as a fucking kid. So it, it's it's just embarrassing all around. And what sucks is now you're going to think of Walter and associate this great wrestler with this horrible gimmick and with this controversy about Nazism. Uh, so that's the biggest thing of it all is like you don't think of Walter and you immediately think of uh, five star matches. You think of this uh, tone deaf blunder. Yeah, definitely. There's there's no way that this cannot be somewhat planned by someone trying to be cute like you're saying um gunther sounds german as hell but what sounds german in the wwe eyes like stark it makes no sense like they'd go for something like frankfurter or just stupid shit there's no way a a billion dollar company doesn't google ideas as they're bouncing it around the table uh, a couple of weeks ago, we asked if Vince McMahon was d- taking a personal attack on Triple H when he fired people. That's that's a line I don't think he would cross, but I don't, I cannot not believe someone else would cross this line with the W in making a name. It makes no sense. Um, just there's zero context in it. Where I think they come out right in this, and it's just awful, just awful planning. Yeah, Phil to mention this too, but I know I, I remember watching a, a network documentary about Finn Balor, and he talked about the history of that name. 
And that's part of like what they go over when they're in NXT or in the performance centers. They talk about like the history of their silly name that they get renamed if it's like a folk hero or if it's um, something that invokes history. So it just was, again, very uh, hard to believe that they didn't have something in mind. And it sucks too for Walter. Like he's had to go out on Twitter to be like, the word "comp" isn't necessarily Nazi like sure. speech. It's just struggles, and like the fact that he's already had to deal with like telling people, "I'm not a Nazi. I am just Austrian." Like, it's just fucking awful. Like, you don't help the guy out at all. Yeah, and I did see just in terms of like the name. Um, so there was some. I think uh, probably Alvarez or somebody came out and said that a lot that Walter's like friends and family have come out on this and said. He is actually very like politically left. Um, and so they're like, I don't think that he would have ever done this on purpose if he knew. But the name Stark in, I don't know if it's in German or Austrian, translates to strong. So like it was, it's very likely that he was looking at it as the name being like Gunther Strong, essentially, like something like that. So there, there was, from what I saw in one report, a potential uh, reasoning for it with, with that. But um, kind of transitioning to other bad takes. Uh, not what's the opposite of friend of the show um, um enemy of the show dick bag yeah <laughs> dick bag of the show uh bully ray uh addressing the uh moxley return last week and saying that he felt that uh mox owed the fans an apology um i mean i don't really have a whole lot to say other than bully ray sucks uh that's an awful take and i think that <clears throat> It's incredible that somebody gives him a microphone to speak into multiple times a week. Sean, did you have any any you know specific thoughts on it? Yeah, definitely. Um, the best apology for anything is recognizing that there's a problem and fixing it. And that's exactly what going to rehab is. That's getting yourself better. I mean, he's playing a putting on a persona, a character, um, and but that's his personal life and his personal dealings. We don't deserve any kind of apology or like even acknowledgement or like announcement of it. So bully Ray, you're a fucking idiot, awful take and go fuck yourself. Well, not much more to add to that, but (laughs) I think this was also like an issue that was over in November. No one gave a fuck then. Uh, Everyone knew that he was going to be maybe in the title picture for full gear or winning the eliminator. And no one cared because everyone understood and everyone was happy for him. It was a universal thing across the board that everyone was glad that Moxie was getting himself together. So I don't think there was any noise at all from anywhere, anytime about uh, Moxley owing anyone an apology. So it's just very unneeded. Yeah. And I think, you know, we had, we started at the top of the show after that happened that when it came out, we started at the top of that show praising what he had done. I think because he had already done something that was so different than what most do. He was open about why he was going to be going, why he was gone and just praising the fact that he was, you know, brave enough to make the decision to go get help in the first place. So I don't see why he would continue to, I mean, he didn't know us that in the beginning and he doesn't continue to owe us anything. Now I thought that it was a beautiful promo to come back. Love that. Like his first, like one of his first five words he said was like, go fuck yourself to a fan that annoyed him in the crowd. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's no apology necessary there. And it's just another time where Bully Ray is off the mark, um, which is uh, more often than not. Uh, and then kind of finally, uh, moving into our last news slash cringe of the week that we had, uh, Mustafa Ali is, uh, we talked about him last week as news of the week that he had been asking for his release. And uh, the news came out that he will not be allowed out of his contract despite the 
what is the number 89 uh releases that have happened over the last uh year of talent um, yeah, give or take 89 you gotta keep it yeah in. yeah and the fact that he doesn't get to wrestle on tv he's been home since november he asked for one one show off uh when his child was born and has not been brought back since he owes the fans an apology for missing that day oh, yeah Tell him. Yeah, tell until him. He, I don't want him on TV until we get that apology. <laughs> um, I actually noticed on Twitter uh, the last few days, uh, wrestlers, especially a lot of uh, previously uh, WWE contracted wrestlers, have been tweeting out hashtag free Ali. Uh, Ali also tweeted out himself blocking WWE on Fox <laughs> on Twitter and uh, has been posting some uh, just like little like subliminal things here and there. I don't know that subliminal is the right word. I mean, more so like just kind of shots without taking shots. Um, but I, it's just when you're seeing all these people getting released, uh, I don't understand what the point is of holding on to somebody. And also, if you're not going to use them, it there, there's like a little bit of cognitive dissonance there, right? Like either you think that this guy has value and would go provide it elsewhere. So you don't want to lose him. But if that's the case, then why would you not be putting him on TV? Like do one or the other. Um, don't just sit here. Don't let it, don't have him sit at home. Um, you know, and the guy's got a family. He can't, he can't take some of the same risks that some other people like packed it or pocked it. Uh, when he just went home, uh, Tony storm recently quit, did a similar thing. Ray Mysterio. If you remember a few years ago, he just stopped cashing checks from the WWE so that, he could go do whatever he wanted. And then if they uh, came back at him, he could say, well, here's the money back uh, <laughs> while he's in a position to do that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think that just over the next few years, I'd really like to see some sort of a, uh, a little bit just in terms wrestlers should be able to essentially quit the same way that WWE can let them go, whether it's giving a 90 day notice or whatever it is that it's a little bit lopsided in that. I don't know if either of you have anything to add specifically to that. Uh, yeah, Chris. I mean, I think the, the the problem is is like uh, WWE needs to really babyface itself to actual wrestlers right now. I get that they're going young and that they're going to train a bunch of college athletes that don't know anything different, but they're really going to lose so many fan or uh, so many wrestlers who maybe want to go there or had that option or are thinking about and considering it going there. They're not going to want to sign. You saw Britt Baker's uh, tweet a couple weeks ago about like, yeah, you just couldn't trust them though. And you couldn't give him the benefit of the doubt. And you don't want that as your reputation of people not wanting to go there. Um, I remember in the 90s, you would hear things about like, yeah, but if you go there, they're going to fuck you up or it's, they're, they're, they're going to book you stupidly. And that sentiment and opinion has only gotten more worse and worse and worse in the last 25 years. So they don't have good equity with wrestlers and performers. And I know they don't want any talent right now, but eventually you are going to want Wardlow. You are going to want Brian Cage. You are going to want MJF. And they're not going to want to go if they feel like they're going to, you're, you're going to fuck them at one point. Um, and I get the, from Vince's standpoint, me putting words into Vince's head, but I can understand of like, Hey, from a business standpoint, I just can't let everyone go if they have a grievance. And I can appreciate maybe in theory them trying to like talk something out, but it doesn't look that way right now because they're not controlling the narrative. And just what it looks like is you have all this money from releasing all these people and now you don't want to cut this guy. Yeah, I almost wonder if uh, Ali kind of screwed himself a little bit by coming out and saying that he was really requesting his release. Uh, I know that there were some guys a few years ago back when AEW first started. I want to say... Uh, Brody Lee was one of them that tried to go that route. And like some reports had come out that specifically 
they didn't release them because they went public with it. You know, it'd be funny is if he just worked uh, the guy from Fightful Select and said he was released too. Just to put himself on that list, <laughs> and just like put it everywhere that he was released, and hope that like someone in the office would fuck up and actually like release him on accident. That would be probably a good way to do it because maybe that's what maybe that's how they know internally. Who the fuck knows? That's how they all find out. I love that. <laughs> that's great. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get to uh, the normal top of the show. Uh, let's move over to our match of the week. Uh, Chris, what did you have as your match of the week? Yeah. So my match of the week was Nick Jackson versus Trent. Uh, we've talked about Trent lately having a career renaissance and he's been booked very solid and he was booked uh, solid in this match going over Nick Jackson. Uh, Nick Jackson is, it's, it's funny. Like anytime he's in a singles match, he brings it and he looks really great and, uh, performs well. And he's a guy that if he didn't have Matt Jackson as a tag team partner, if Matt got injured or whatever, he could have an interesting singles run, I think, himself. But uh, I gave the match three stars. There wasn't much in terms of storyline, but it was action-packed and had a lot of momentum, false finishes. Um, yeah, it was entertaining as hell. Not much to say. It was good, not great, but uh enjoyed the hell out of it, and I liked the finish. So that was my match of the week. Yep, I was uh, right on right on track with you there. It was a three-star match. There wasn't anything that, like spot-wise that like completely stood out to me or what made it amazing. Um, but it's been just good to see Trent uh, and what he's been able to do. I, I'd say also seeing someone from Best Friends get a win. Just sometimes it feels like they just yeah. don't get any wins. Uh, and I and I also feel like, um, I guess this is a little bit more of a complaint than a compliment, but I feel like uh, I feel like Best Friend feuds as well as Jurassic Express feuds seem like they go on for just years. Like they just they yeah. go on forever. It feels like they've been dealing with the elite for forever. Um, but Regardless, it was good to see uh, Trent pick up pick up that W. It makes me wonder if the original plan would have been for Rapungi Vice to get the win. Uh, my guess is that you would look at it as Trent is a better singles performer than Nick Jackson, but Nick Jackson as the Young Bucks, you know, in, in a tag team is better. So most likely not. But still looking forward to to seeing Rocky Romero once he uh, is cleared from COVID protocol, being able to uh, have that match because that'll be a good one. But Maybe yeah, great. Age. Yeah, it could be. That'd be sweet. Uh, could see it in Cleveland. And um, yeah, it was it's just good to see good to see Trent get the W and it was a, a pretty clean one as well. So um three stars for me. Sean, any thoughts? Uh yeah, you mentioned kind of nothing really like spectacular happening in the match, but like there was one moment where Nick Jackson went for like the Meltzer driver on the outside but hit a Canadian destroyer like right off him, right in the middle of the ring. Just amazing how just athletic and like whimsical i don't know what you'd call it they are but uh i would never when we ever talked about putting this podcast together even the idea of it would have thought that we'd be saying you guys would be saying because it's not my match um shifty yeah it could be shifty he might be shifty nick jackson i don't know but i would never have thought that we would be saying trent so many times in match of the week or even nick jackson on a singles run that's mind-blowing and trent's definitely been on that renaissance that you've been saying it's it's great. I've mentioned them quite a bit lately and I've been liking it. I like the look much better than we've been seeing before. So, and yeah, like you're saying, good, good to see the best friends win a match. So hopefully we get Rapungi vice in Cleveland, but, uh, yeah, I was just going to say real quick, I think it'd be really interesting to see like a heel mid card, like Trent. I think that that's something that like over the next year, I would really like to see as we've been seeing him, um, seeing where that could go. Cause we've talked about him being kind of like the Christian 
of uh of like AEW and it would just be really I haven't seen that out of him. I, he's always been kind of, you know, Greg Trent type, you know, like this this character. So, um that's something that from an anticipation standpoint over the next year or so I'd really like to see uh kind of evolve. But sorry, uh Sean, what was your match of the week? Yeah, uh I chose the match I think what right before it, the Moxley match with Ethan Page. I'm sure he was all fired up after he had like two hours to stew in that fucking D bag, telling him calling him a piece of drunken piece of trash or whatever. Fuck that dude, along with Bully Ray. Uh, a lot of a lot of fucks going around in this this podcast. So yeah, cover fuck cover your children's ears. But there's uh, a lot of fucks during the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it was uh, just a kind of fun match. Uh, it was nice to see Moxley back. He's much leaner than he's kind of ever been. Hopefully, he kind of hits the weights and hits some protein shakes or something. Because, man, Jack and Coke's—that's a lot of, a lot of carbs and calories or something. But uh, <clears throat> just fun match. I love the way he kind of bumped out of the ring after the shoulder tackle. Just funny, just random little nod. Um. Other than that, nothing too spectacular in this match. Uh, we meant Chris. I think you mentioned in the group chat uh, just that bulldog choke and how cool of a submission finisher hit movement it is. Just the, the torque on it makes it so believable and just really cool. And then we get that nice little tease at the end where Brian Danielson is waiting for him at the uh, the back of the. I don't know. I don't know if fans would enter from there or wherever, but just, he's just waiting. I would like that little tease of that feud to come. That if that match is just. And brewing in my mind, I can't wait for that to happen. So, do you guys have any thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. Love uh, good match. Great way for him to come back, and I think it was good to see Ethan Page in that moment. Um, the fact that they made him look good, it wasn't just like a quick beat down or anything like that. Ethan Page, I, I continue to think he just needs to get away from this whole Men of the Year Dan Lambert thing. Um, you know, so a good showing for him, and I hope that he kind of gets to to shine a little bit more soon. Um, loved the finish, and you know, instead of him hitting his, uh, I, I want to call it the Death Rider, but what is it called in AEW? Um, uh, deeds, the paradigm uh, finish, paradigm, paradigm shift, yeah. paradigm shift. Yeah, <laughs> shut up. That that do you have to sing now? Because you called it that. Good point. Good Not point. at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it was a it was a different it was a different change. Plus, also kind of getting to see. Ethan Page passing out rather than tapping out or being pinned or something like that. That kind of tells you that there might be something coming down the pipeline for Ethan Page, the way that they kind of protected him a little bit there. Um, and then with uh, Danielson at the uh, kind of waiting for him as he was walking out of the uh, area, I think it's cool because we were all expecting to see a heel Mox versus Danielson at full gear before all of this happened. And now it looks like we're going to see the reverse of that, which is obviously heel Danielson and face Mox, which I think I actually like more. So uh, definitely looking forward to this, looking forward to the build, um, especially assuming that this is going to be at uh, Revolution. We've got, what, about six, maybe seven weeks before yeah. then or something like that. Uh, that's plenty of time to make this uh, a really good uh, feud. And I, I have uh, my full belief that th those two can make this a really exciting match despite the fact that there's no title involved or even a number one contendership. Um, just definitely looking forward to it. Good to have uh, Mox back. Um, it, the show is definitely just different. Like he, to me, he is AEW. He's the guy that truly bet on himself when he could have stayed in WWE for the rest of his life, made a whole lot of money, but you know, 
he wasn't happy and you could see how happy he is and the stuff he's doing on the indies and the stuff he's doing in AEW. So just happy to see him again. I did think it was funny, though, as much as all the fans universally shit on Bully Ray for his comment. I did think it was funny that there's a percentage of fans that were like, oh, he looked like he was blowing up in the ring. Like, you don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, you don't know what that is. Like, I just I don't buy it. Like, come on, shut up and like trap trying to poke holes in it. Like, fuck off. Uh, I th- that drove me nuts when people, you know, seeing that, like, oh, he looked like he was out of shape. But then they're the same people saying that he looks great compared to what he looked like the last time he was in the ring. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, and speaking of F-bombs and Moxley, I was surprised he didn't get any trouble, though, for that. Like, you know, you did say fuck on cable television. Like, I know, like, they, they are a little bit loosey-goosey with language and uh, far be it for, you know, me to talk about language and using the F-word in a professional setting. But <laughs> it was still kind of like, oh, shit, I, I, I was afraid for him. I was like, oh, hopefully he doesn't get in trouble or anything like that for that. But uh, yeah, good, uh, good return match. And uh like yeah like we've uh sean you reference in our group chat uh, i love that choke though that's such a blue collar moxley realistic move that like yeah of course that guy would use a chokehold like that that's just fucking cool and it just keeps his appeal uh he's noticeably too not being too baby facey so like there's a chance that he could go heel if they want to go that route and maybe they want to team up him and danielson like you have that option um, because he isn't coming back as like, Hey everyone. And like doing the shtick of, you know, being a total face as he returns, uh, he's still keeping things tweener as he was before when he went out. Yeah. It's, uh, a welcome sight to see him and it's exciting to see what he can do moving forward because there's kind of any, any direction they want to go. They can, because they were looking like they were going to go that heel direction. Um, even if they take a temporary detour, they definitely still could, um, Moving over to our moment of the week, um, Chris, what did you have? Yeah, so I loved watching Serena Deeb squash the hell out of that lady. I don't know, I remember her name, but it was a good just that just dominating and destroying that knee and that repeatedly just doing that finish and just working to that. I love watching that, and it kind of ran with a good theme this week of Serena Deeb. Hook and Jade Cargo all having dominating wins and just a new crop of stars that people like and are credible and not to go too far into the anticipation, but uh, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to when we go see Beach Break and go see AEW Live just to hear what the fan reaction is to Serena, to Jade, to Hook to actually feel that live because I think there's a lot of uh, sentiment to them and uh, AEW is doing a good job of building new stars and building new title contenders. So exciting to see what they do with Serena in particular. I think she could be uh, a great challenger for any one of the titles uh, that the ladies hold, but I really want to see her and Britt Baker wrestle. Yeah. And they're doing a good job of just building her up for whatever it is they choose to do. It's funny because she's, you know, playing a crazy heel right now. Uh, and obviously both the title holders are heel. So it kind of makes me feel like she might be the first challenger to whoever takes the title off of Britt who I, you know, I would believe is going to be Thunder Rosa at uh, Revolution, like kind of really building her up for that, though, to kind of be a quick, like kind of the same way it felt with Hangman having Danielson right away, like a true legitimate challenger rather than like a transitional challenger. Um, That's kind of where my head goes. But yeah, it's great to see Serena just kind of getting that time to be like this just dominant heel. Um, You know, she's obviously somebody who has been around the business for so long. So it's kind of crazy. Like I, I had never really, I, if I look back, I technically knew who she was cause she was in the straight edge society in WWE. 
Um, but I couldn't have told you when she arrived in AEW, I don't think I put it together right away that that was her. So, um, just, you know, happy to see her, her thriving. And, um, that's what having a company like AEW, a second company, you know, that's truly viable, uh, does it, it opens up the doors for some people who maybe didn't get a chance before. Um, but Sean, did you have any thoughts on that? I mean, just like you were saying back when she was in the straight edge society, I would have never guessed that she would turn out to be such like a master in the ring. Like she has been now. It was a great dominating match. I can't wait to kind of see her get into the ring with some, some better names and like sky blue. Like if she were to get in the ring with Jade or whoever eventually takes the title off either of them, that'd be great. I mean, she, I'm sure she'll have great feuds along the lines with her, uh, her sheet of feud. So surprising but it's great to see great and uh sean what was your uh moment of the week uh i chose the cody Rhodes promo uh normally he doesn't really fit into moment of the week it's more we'd be talking about the top of this hour but uh <laughs> i think it was great i uh i kind of wondered maybe i'll ask you guys a little i've run some done uh kind of a little he started it off a little weirdly just like saying someone told him not to to hold off on this promo yet or something, but uh, AEW is feeling the effects too of just no one wanting to work during COVID. He had to set up the ladder himself, stage setting. Cody does it all, but uh, he mentioned CM Punk's pipe bomb. Kind of listed all the things that he said of that'd be taboo to people of that time, and it kind of you kind of saw Cody's roadmap to where AEW came. He filled that void of everything he said he'd do of new Japan ring of honor work around the world, the young bucks. Uh, it's just crazy to kind of see the road that Cody's taken and how almost beloved he should be, but just some awful booking decisions have kind of left him not wanting, not wanting to be seen by the fans. Uh, he had some, some rage and energy and passion kind of hit like at a right time, right after the crowd was kind of shitting on him to that right side, wherever that guy who yelled that Moxley was seemed like that was like a problem area, but it was just a good, a good promo. It made me excited for a ladder match. It's it me awesome to see a ladder match. Uh, he built the forbidden door that everyone's coming through and knocking down. So, I mean, he's, he's kind of got a point and it's, Nice to kind of see him do it in a heated fashion where it got me anticipating some stuff. So do you guys think anything about it? I felt like uh, it was really good. I enjoyed it um, to start. But it's almost like when somebody apologizes and then does the exact same thing again the next week. Uh, that's how I'm starting to feel with Cody. Like that was a really good promo. And, and I hope that it goes somewhere. But I feel like just in a week or two, we're going to be complaining about him again for the same stuff that we hate. Like he he does this every now and then where he gets me to buy in. I'm like, okay, I like that. I love that, Cody. Good job. Great, you know, great promo. And then in um in a couple of weeks, he's going to just do the exact same thing that he's been doing. He'll you know he'll he'll beat Sammy in the next three weeks in a row or something like that. That's stupid. That makes zero sense. Um, but overall, yeah, it was a great promo. I actually considered it for my moment of the week. I think, uh, you know, him making a little bit of references to where he said, you know, I got the contract for this match, not the contract I was looking for. Just kind of a little bit of a, a wink to the rumors that he doesn't have a contract currently. Um, and then uh, just the fire that we saw in him, you know, and I think he also did a really good job at the beginning. The fans were like, I mean, it was about as, you know, when you watch yeah, a, a WWE 
when you watch a WWE promo and they're what chanting and like you could tell that they're getting in the performer's head because it might be someone who's not as strong on the mic. Like there's a lot of people who with the way the crowd was interacting in that beginning of that promo, a lot of people would have lost their way and not been able to deliver what Cody did there. So I do have to give him props there. That was a, a great job of kind of working through that and turning the crowd kind of into his favor by the end of it. Yeah, because they were fuck. They were saying like "fuck you, Cody" or whatever, some shit like that. And he was really behind the eight ball too, and having to deliver a promo after Mox had a return promo like that is a lot. That's very hard to follow. But I think luckily for him, Mox was so allegorical in his promo that this time it was good for him to be so goddamn literal with everything. Um, still like classic Cody as he is now, like very scattershot and a lot of references. It's almost like he's like a 1999 WCW vibe. Like there's all these inside references that you don't know really where they're going, but he delivered it really well and he performed it well. And so, yeah, I guess this is his character now of like inside references. And he is a tweener. I don't like hearing heel turn. Um, That is annoying. Like you can say turn, that's fine. But heel turn is like two on the nose a little bit. But at the same point, we all watch wrestling. We all fucking get it. We all know what it is. So I understand it and I can understand the logic and argument for it. Um, I didn't like the whole state of the industry thing, like just listing off other wrestlers was just awkward and weird. Um, But he did bring up a really good point, though, about Brody. Uh, And I thought that was kind of a cool line. Again, it doesn't really mean anything. And that's kind of him in a microcosm. It doesn't really mean anything. But it did have a really good moment of like. Yeah, the little kid's gonna fucking kill you one day. Like, I just loved how that was like. Set I loved up. that. I was like, that's cool. Like, it's a long con play, but hey, whatever. And like, that's what I thought too when I heard that. Honestly, I felt the same way. I was like, oh, I bet when that kid's older, they're gonna do something about it, and they're gonna have a little angle from it. So hey, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it, 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 too inside baseball for me, but he did it really well, and he's an excellent performer. And uh, I wonder if him and CM Punk will do something. I think uh, you evoke his name, you call him out. That leads to something hopefully down the line. And I think those two could make some interesting uh, promos and magic together. But I'd love to see him actually do a promo duel with someone. Again, you notice that he's doing everything in his own little universe, all on his own, without having to go back and forth with someone. Shit's going to be a lot different if he has to do that against MJF, against CM Punk, against uh, Brian Danielson. Wow, so fucking close right there. Wow, very close (laughs) to messing up there. Um, but it's going to be, again, a lot different if he has to go against someone who has verbal dexterity. Yeah. So I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, did you catch in the beginning when he was like, someone asked me to hold off on this promo and I was wondering, do you think it is CM Punk? Do you think that this is a feud to come down the lines if you're going to invoke him and the pipe bomb and how you kind of did everything? I, he I said? just thought it was cute. Like they told me not to test, but I'm going to say, I'm going to get off my chest. <laughs> like, okay. Like it just was a cute little promo stuff. I don't know. I, that, that, was that, that was what I felt. I, I thought it was more of a, uh, almost like kind of Cody just trying to sound like he was going off script. Uh, that was my feeling. What about you, Sean? Oh, uh, I mean, I, I kind of hope that it was like a, a subtle nod to it. Like, oh, uh, this, like maybe this was supposed to come down the road a little longer once we were going to be in the feud, but I can see what you mean. But I think that part of that is my uh, my skepticism about Cody. Like I I, yes. I think that I I sometimes don't give him the credit that he probably deserves on certain things when it comes to like layering things. So um, one thing I thought of though too, it's like he tries so goddamn hard and he workshops everything and he's admitted as such. 
And it's like, God, like, what the hell does he take out? Like, you wonder what? <laughs> like, that's the shit I would love to. Like, man, if that was like Roads to the Top, I would love to watch that of like people going like, no, you cannot say that. That doesn't fucking work. Or like just these arguments that I'm probably sure have happened. Like, that would be a fascinating show right there publish a book of like the original scripts of all, every promo that he does. Yeah. Oh man. That would be great. Uh, my moment of the week this week, um, as a, uh, a self-proclaimed, uh, hooker, uh, was seeing hook squash, uh, Serpentico and then moving on to, uh, destroying QT Marshall. So the reason that I found it to be, uh, interesting or, um, yeah, was first of all, you don't see a whole lot of squashes, true squashes. I mean, I know we saw one with uh, Sean Spears and CM Punk uh, on Wednesday as well. But just seeing Hook, how he's just so no, no nonsense about it, like doesn't want to deal with Serpentico's antics with the streamers that he shoots out. Oh, that was great. And just not even letting him get out of his kimono and just destroying him, not letting go once he taps. And then as he's, you know, walking out of the ring, QT Marshall comes out is running his mouth to him and hook doesn't even acknowledge him. I mean, I, I just feel like they've really got his character down. The fact that he wasn't acknowledging him until, uh, QT grabs him by the arm and, you know, does the whole, Hey, I'm talking to you thing. Hook just, you know, hits him with the, with the, uh, suplex and walk steps over him. Allen Iverson style and goes to the back. I just love the way that they've got his, uh, his character going. Also, I thought it was hilarious that you can hear, uh, QT like screaming. Oh no. Uh, as he's getting suplexed uh, into the microphone, that was really funny. Um, but I, I just he's he's such an enjoyable character the way that they're building him, and uh, I just I love the the way that they did that. Hopefully, we get to see him uh, this week. Sean got us all excited in the group chat because he mis misinterpreted when uh, he was being advertised for Rampage, thinking it was this week's Rampage. So hopefully, uh, too hopefully much pre-show. Get our hopes up. <laughs> too much pre-show. <laughs> and. Uh, well, what did you guys think about that? I loved it. I think QT Marshall really plays his part to perfection too. Like he just knows that he's going to just eat shit and he does it in such a great way. Uh, he knows his, he knows his role, but he does know the part he's played and he plays it to perfection and hook. Yeah, he's a real fucking star. Like that reaction is huge. Um, I saw some things on Twitter too, of like Tony Khan saying hook is here, you know, like just that kind of stuff before. And like his reaction, he's super over again. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting a chance to see him, but I really want to hear what the crowd, um, how the crowd responds and takes him in. Cause on TV, I don't think it does justice. So I'm excited to hear what that sounds like and feels like, but man, that guy's a future star. I mean, he already is a star, but like, Jesus Christ, like that is like, he seems unfuck upable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you're going to be hearing me singing Action Bronson next to you, so that'll just be a little taste. <laughs> but uh, Hookers is about as good as name as uh, Tests Testicles. I uh, I like I like the Hookers. I love I love me some Hookers. But uh, who doesn't? Yeah, I, and I love Hook. I think that's it's great. I think uh, if he does that every week up till he gets like an actual good feud, that's great. Uh, and do it to QT Marshall all the time. He's doing nothing, so it's perfect just to shit on him. It was a nice little quick moment mid-match. Yeah, yeah, and just to, to highlight what you both kind of said with QT, I think he has been, he's great at what he does. I think when he was a face, it was like, why are we seeing QT Marshall? But now that he's coming out and 
he just he plays that role of you know he's basically basically a manager at this point that just you always get to see him get his comeuppance love it um he's he's doing a good job there so um one last thing too alex i mean you there was a god speaking of like people getting released and stuff like that the header of the show there was news that AEW was going to be you know letting people go or, or or not letting people go but just not resigning them um and you do want to have guys like qt marshall because not everyone is supposed to be a star like you do need jobbers i'd love to see hook go up against like a billy gunn i'd love to see hook go up against um big show even one day like i know that doesn't seem like that's going to be a great match but it would be a good moment to see him just choke out big show uh just for the visual of it so uh yeah i'm excited to see like what they do with some of the other guys that you know they could seem like they're guys that need to be cut but they're going to be used to elevate others absolutely and that that is something that we're probably going to be seeing a lot of over these next few months as people's contracts are hitting that three-year mark because I think that's what all those original deals were. Um, but I, I think that they also, what's cool of what I've seen of those releases is a lot of them. Um, so for example, uh, Pretty Peter Avalon, I believe he's no longer a AEW like contracted wrestler, but he'll still get paid on a per, per appearance basis and will still be used. He's just not going to be a full-time AEW person. So it's cool that even some of these guys who might get let go, not only do they have the ability to use that name that they've they've had in AEW and you know hopefully get better better appearance dollars but they also on top of that can still go on AEW shows and even if they're dropping out usually they get they get treated pretty well so um moving off of that into our anticipation we all have the same anticipation essentially but I'd like to get you know down to the the more specifics of it we are going to our first show together uh as as aew fans so we've been to uh we've made towns in for wwe shows evolve uh aaw uh nxt but this is our first roh as well um this is our first aew show as a uh, as a group very excited about it uh but chris specifically what is it that you're looking forward to yeah, I want to see the uh, ladder match. Um, I'm interested to see the lights out match too, but I want—I I'm, I'm just want to hear what it sounds like. I don't think, again, not bashing AEW, but if there's one thing I could wish they would change about the production, it's just how things are mic'd because I just get the impression that uh, pops don't resonate as well as they do. So I'm excited to hear what it sounds like when Hook comes out. I, I, I want to feel Cody's reaction, what that's like, how people feel about him during the match. Um, excited to see that and hear that. And then uh, I, I was thinking they were going to do Hangman and um, what the fuck, Lance Archer. Lance Archer. But maybe that's going to get saved for another week or so, but, which is fine. Um, but maybe we'll get that FTR match. Maybe we'll get the Young Bucks and Vice match. So uh, there could be some other stuff that comes up. Red Velvet, I'm interested in seeing her live too. So it's going to be a great show. I'm just pumped to be there. And we'll take pictures of it and put it up on the website too. Yeah, and and you mentioned the um the reaction stuff. the The first uh, show that I went to in Dallas, uh, that was when Nick Gage showed up for the first time, uh, as well as Chavo Guerrero. And I watched back once I got home on TV, and I would say that especially the Chavo reaction was way more intense in person than it was uh, on TV. Like it did not translate whatsoever. I don't, Sean, when you went to that show was there anything that kind of stood out did you have happen to notice that when you went um i don't remember going back and watching it live like or on recording afterwards but i definitely remember like 
just being in Ohio, like the, the Moxley love is huge. So that'll be nice to hear that pop. Yeah. And he's a hometown boy again. I think him and Renee actually just moved back to Ohio. I don't know if they're going to be in the Cleveland area. I know he's from uh, Cincy, but either way, that's close enough. I feel like, uh, Sean, what is it that's, uh, it's got you excited. Oh, I'm definitely excited for the the ladder match. As, as I was saying, Cody kind of got me pumped for it. It'll be nice to kind of see him probably at eye level with where our seats are at. Who knows? Um, I just think that'll be exciting. I, I, we've seen like a steel cage match. I think when we went to a raw, we've seen countless like uh, just gimmick Hell matches. Hell, oh, we, we went to Hell in a Cell. Holy shit. So forgettable. Um <laughs> Uh, and, uh, like just kind of hardcore matches or whatever we've seen it all, but we've never, I've never seen a ladder match live. So this will be cool to see, um, lights out match. Uh, we could see some, some stuff after dark. So uh, that'll be cool. Um, I'm excited, uh, uh, more bolstered roster than the last time I went when they were in Cleveland right before the pandemic hit. So it's kind of cool. It's like going back and before pandemic time hit. So it'll be a fun, fun little road trip with the boys. Yeah. Yeah. I love a, love a good road trip. And, uh, from there for me, my, my biggest thing that I'm excited about, uh, besides being able to safely buy AEW merchandise without risking our personal information, uh, is I think for me, I I've convinced myself every single week that the Briscoes are going to show up, uh, and they just lost the, uh, GCW titles. And so (laughs) Chris, uh, for those who are listening, uh, which is everybody, uh, Chris just made a face there. Um, he's not a, not a Briscoe guy, but, uh, I, I want to see them versus FTR. That match will be insane. Uh, and they just lost the GCW titles this past weekend. Spoiler alert. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I just, I know that they're going to show up eventually. So I'm hoping that it's the, the week that we're there. Uh, just cause it's always, it's always fun to see a debut. Also potentially, uh, Johnny Gargano, who is from Cleveland as well. Oh, I, I totally, totally forgot. forgot. Just yeah God. how did we forget holy <laughs> shit well let's the we is you two not me yeah. oh well yeah, yeah. yeah. it's car one uh, <laughs> car one we forgot yeah car one's fucked on this one but uh yeah so there's i i don't want to get myself like too excited about it and then nobody debuts because i mean you can't expect a debut all the time and i got pretty spoiled the last time i did i did not expect when i was in dallas to see nick gage uh break bring out a pizza cutter uh on on live television Lucky you, uh, <laughs> but either way, I, I think it's going to be a great show and, um, the lights out match will be really interesting seeing how creative, uh, they get with, with orange Cassidy and, and Adam Cole. Those are two like not usual lights out match kind of guys. So I think those are the things that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, but that'll wrap up the show this week. Again, please make sure you're subscribing to us on Apple podcasts or Spotify, Uh, continue to not listen to us on Pandora. I've uh, submitted a ticket now at this point because they're still not accepting our podcast. Um, Visit our website, wrestlingelitist.com for latest match reviews and articles. Uh, Once again, please review Chris's newest article, my newest article. Help support the show by uh, visiting our website and sharing our content with the rest of the internet wrestling community. If you have any questions, please feel free to put them in the comments section of a review. Shoot us an email directly on our website, wrestlingelitist.com. But that's it for us this week. Next time you see us, we'll be reviewing the show we were at live. Hit the music, Rick Rude. Hit the music.